This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned in to the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. In this episode, we're going to talk about placemaking, a concept that puts an emphasis on getting a lot of different stakeholders to be involved in deciding how to utilize the space more effectively and in a more wholesome way. It's an approach that's getting a lot more traction these days, and to learn more about the basics of placemaking, I speak to Shohana Shamsuddin, President of Breaker Banda via Zoom. Okay, uh, before we talk about what is placemaking, I think I'd better uh, explain a bit what is meant by a place. Okay, a place is actually uh, has geographical connotation. That means then there must be a location. Okay, and it with this geographical uh, location, it has an integration of three different attributes, which is the physical uh, environment, uh, the activities, and meanings, uh, meanings and association to that particular uh, location. So. That's what is meant by place. That's why uh, a space, you know, the difference between a space and a place is when you have meanings attached to it. Otherwise, then the space is just a void. Just a void instead of uh, a place. So the the word meanings, uh, when we say that a space becomes a place when meanings are being attached to it, meanings means that the, the space has uh, some kind of um, uh, uh, will jog certain kind of emotions uh, from the uh, people who live in the place or uh, it has some they have some kind of bonding some kind of attachment some kind of feelings uh, that, that 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 particular space has as compared to other spaces so that's why um, to design a place you must attach meanings uh, to the space now this concept of place making uh, now is very trendy at the moment uh, some refer to it as tactical urbanism actually the process of designing spaces to create the sense of belonging the one that i've been talking about just now a sense of pride uh, towards uh, that the particular space it is also to improve the quality of life through having a space that uh, provide the opportunities uh, for social inter- uh, interaction and also to create bonding among the uh, uh, people living in, in a neighborhood so much so that the uh, the people who live in a certain neighbor- neighborhood will get to know each other and there is a place for them to meet uh, that binds them together. So that's why the concept of uh, placemaking is very important uh, in order to create sustainable communities and sustainable cities uh, in the long run. All right. Okay. So so how how do we go about I guess doing it when it comes to placemaking? Like like is it is it a process of I guess just upgrading a certain area or um I guess yeah renovating a certain area? Yeah. Okay. Um. There are two ways to um creating places. Whereby uh, or the making of places, first is by designing new, new uh, places, and the other one is by regenerating or revitalizing existing uh, areas that has not got the quality of a place 
to become a space that is uh, having that uh, quality of a place uh, which I mentioned just now, you know, to uh, improve the quality of life and to help to bring the community together. Designing places can, cannot be done by just one person unless you do the your place is within your own compound and so forth, you know. Uh, no. But if you're talking about places that can be used by the communities, you know, it it has to be a joint effort, uh, not only uh, by the designers, but must also include participation from the potential users or you mean the, or the locals or the, the community uh, living in the place. Because to make the, I mean, there is... A, uh, to design a space is one thing, but to make the space becoming a place and a successful place is another aspect. If the, the space or place is being designed by the uh, professional or is a project just um, uh, belonging to the local authority, without you know consulting the people who's living in the area, there might be a chance that this kind of place will not be successful in um, in a sense that they will not be used by the by the people probably because they don't really meet the needs of the people, probably they need certain things, but they have not been consulted. And what is being provided is actually something that they don't, they don't really need or, or like. So it's, it's a joint effort. It's a collaboration between the, um, the local authorities, the, the designers, and the people who are living in the place. Then, then we will say that it is uh, going to be successful. So normally... If you're designing, if you're trying to create places within an existing neighborhood, then uh, it's so much uh, more important to get uh, the local community to be involved in the design. Not to say that we are asking them to design, but actually they've got to say in uh, what kind of, what, what sort of things they are needed. You know, why 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 do they need the space? What are they going to do if you're going to design the place? How are they going to use it? Because designers only design the spaces and then they will leave. But the person living there is going to be the user. And if you don't consult the user, then probably you are designing, there's a mismatch between what you've been designing and what, what is actually uh, needed. So um, this concept of place making is not, it's not actually new, but it's just being, um, like I said, uh, rebranding. Uh, there's a rebranding re of it. And um, because of the new urban agenda and the sustainable development goals that has been um lobbied by the United Nations. Now, now it's starting to become trendy, especially when people are talking about, you know, how to make a community sustainable, you know, how to make cities sustainable. Then they, they, they got to have lots of places for people, you know, uh, for the local uh, communities uh, to use. But uh, in the past, you know, I've been to a, a place, I can't remember now, in Germany. It was in the 80s, you know. I visited one housing um, residential area, I think it was in Hanover or Essen, where, you know, in that particular neighborhood, they wanted to design a um, public um, uh, recreational place, which includes playground and also um, uh, spaces for the recreational needs of the community. So what they do is that they open up an office, a design office in the neighborhood, and they station the architect and the landscape architect there. And this designers will be inviting the local people to come to the office you know and to give input as to how they they wanted uh, the place to be designed and they, they even call the children you know to uh, to get some give them ideas what kind of play areas that they they wanted to have so when the project completed you know the kind of playground that 
they have they did it's not the typical playground that we can see like in our country you know the standard swings the standard seesaw and so forth you know very very um commercially <laughs> commercially oriented uh, look and also standard design where you can find it everywhere else but what they have is very natural kind of playground because that is what the, the, the children wanted they just want to play with the sandpit they want to have a tree house you know and they they want to have sorts of all sorts of uh, play tools that is actually of of natural materials and so forth so it's a very uh, good example as to you know when you get the, the the local people to be involved in the design, you know, then you can actually give them what they really want, and the place will be fully utilized by the by the users. Mm. Um, you mentioned the term tactical urbanism just now uh, earlier in the interview. Um, is that interchangeable with with placemaking, or is it is it a different term actually? Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the ways to describe um, uh, what is meant by tactical urbanism. Is you know, you know, you you come up with short term solutions uh, in, in urban areas which have long long term benefits. And um, placemaking is actually one of the uh, kind of projects that 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 uh, you can do under this tactical urbanism because it's not like um you're not like you you just design or paint something uh, without you know specifying what is the solution that you are providing for what problem so when you talk about tactical that means you are coming up with tactics how to for example if there is a space that is not being utilized you know is um it's actually with lots of uh, overgrowth and so forth so what solutions can you provide for that particular uh, area and what kind of benefits that it will it will give to the people living there so that is actually just just a, a, a term to, to describe the, the kind of uh, projects that you can do in the urban areas. All right. Okay. Um, what's the landscape like in Malaysia with regard to placemaking? Do we have any, I guess, examples of places that have adopted this placemaking concept? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, small projects that have been done under Think City, you know, effort of Think City. Think City uh, is known for, for doing this kind of project, you know, working with the community. But they have spent more... Uh, more time in just uh, beautifying the places. So if you can see that the, the those projects where they do murals, you know, mural painting uh, on the walls, uh, and then also to leaven up the back lanes, you know, with murals and uh, and there are also projects like encouraging urban urban farming within the um, the residential blocks, you know, where all the um, open spaces within the area has been uh, uh, allocated for the residents to to grow to grow some um, food you know edible plants and so forth so that is quite popular now you know this kind of urban urban farming uh, uh, project but um yeah more important is not just about beautification you know more important is that we provide i think the the problem uh, in this party is that you know in the past when we design the uh, residential area or neighborhood, you know, is we leave it totally to the developers to provide a layout where, what I call it, T-square planning, where you where they can squeeze as many units uh, within the area. And some of the um, the mandatory space that has to be provided, like ten percent for open spaces, are being um, allocated in areas that is not strategic enough or not um, not um, the location location doesn't allow equal access to that kind of space. So what I what I think what is needed is more um, more monitoring of the 
uh, when the when the developer submitted the plans, you know, for new housing scheme, you know, there should be more monitoring of how they allocated the spaces for the for the uh, for the, every neighborhood must have its own community space. So that, you know, that is where we can encourage them to have a bonding with each other. The crime, you know, one of the reasons why there's a lot of urban crimes because the neighbours does not get to know each other. And the, the way you design the, the housing units, you know, does not allow people to have an opportunity to meet each other uh, uh, or, or to have a, a, an area where you can become the community centre. Most of the time, some community centre is, uh, is just being used for kunduri and so forth, but most of the time, they're, they're not uh, used. So the design play an important role, you know, how, how you organise the, the whole uh, units within the neighbourhood to encourage the kind of, to have a place that can be, that can provide this sense of belonging, that can unite the, the whole community. And with this post-pandemic, you know, now that we live in the post-pandemic, we have realised that you know, access to open spaces is very important, isn't it? Because I mean, the the, the lockdown, you know, the, the not able to go out uh, uh, makes people um, require access to open spaces within their own uh, neighbourhood, uh, just within walking distance, and that's why we need to. Uh, review back, you know, all the the lost spaces. The white man by lost spaces is that spaces which is no man's land, you know, not being utilized by nobody's taking care of the space, not to be given a certain function that can uh, benefit the community. That was Johanna Shamsuddin, President of Breaker Bandar, giving us a primer on placemaking. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin, and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today via Zoom is Shohana Shamsuddin, President of Breaker Banda, and she's been giving us a 101 on placemaking and how it can rejuvenate the spaces in our city to make it more livable for its occupants. As a community-centred concept that prioritises the needs of the people, how can we make placemaking more inclusive for citizens to feel empowered enough to share their thoughts, opinions and inputs on how their spaces should be? Especially taking the factor our culture that can be too top-down in its approach sometimes. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, I, it really depends on the community itself. There are certain certain areas, you know, the, the communities are, uh, especially those who are very... Uh, well educated and they have the means you know to, to contribute to the community yeah. this kind of community tends to be very active you know and uh, very active in uh, generating ideas how they, they can do to the neighborhood but for yeah, the one that is more uh, of concern is the B40 areas you know the neighborhood which involves the um, low cost uh, housing and the social housing now this kind of uh, one thing we they probably have a, a neighborhood residence uh, society but this neighborhood or this community residents need to be uh, given the support and uh, given the the, the um, motivation you know to, to help improve their, their community so what what can be done? I think this is where the role of the local authority or, or bodies like Think City and so forth, you know, to, to identify the, the community which have the potential of, you know, 
uh, having the motivation to to improve their quality and they provide the the, the advice you know the means uh, and probably the financial support you know to to help to improve the 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 community i see one good example in uh, georgetown you know because it was pointed out by my friend Kus, uh, kusama she's a, a very popular well known uh, activist in penang you know she asked me to because when i was went to penang she asked me to to have a look at the sungai ara sungai ara community uh, project it seems that the the residents over there they really take care of this river and this um uh and open green open spaces you know which is actually being surrounded by the, the by the houses and along the river they have this community farm you know they planted also all spice and it was very interesting it can even be like a, a place for tourists to go and see because the river was so clean you know they clean the river they they throw out away all the rubbish and all the trees are well maintained you know it's like somebody's keeping uh taking care of that space and i think the local authority also provide the um, lots of play uh, uh, equipments uh, along the river for the, for the children so i think if all the communities have that kind of spirit you know that kind of uh, uh, um sense of pride you know taking care of the environment and really support the local authority then we'll have lots of of this places that meaningful places for the communities so like i said you're true it's not we don't have to wait for the local authority to to actually provide the the community can initiate themselves and then the local authority can come in to 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 uh, uh, provide support uh, and so forth mm. how do you get i guess the community themselves to also start changing perspective when it comes to when it comes to i guess executing this right because i think Sometimes when people start doing projects that are a bit out of the box, people can just look at it and start to suddenly, uh, I guess, assume that it's quote-unquote gentrification, right? So so how do we go about communicating what we're trying to do to the public so that they know that this is not just another quote-unquote gentrification attempt? Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very interesting question, you know. Uh, when it comes to that, the key to this, uh, so to, to, to solve this uh, problem of getting the public is, the awareness you know the, the level of awareness of the importance of uh, getting involved with your environment you know and not just to just leave it just to leave it to the to other people to to take care of it you know so that kind of awareness is also related to the level of education and program and also the exposure you know the exposure that people have that's why in the community we, we got to have uh, people in the community to, to become the leaders of the community to have these kind of people to to lead the community and also to gain their sense their trust you know in the world now in order to gain the trust uh, of the then, then the, the, the people must uh, be able able to show the examples that has been done you know uh, elsewhere you know similar for example similar area to their community but has been done successfully uh, so that first thing you know to get that level of trust first once the, everybody trust the, the the leaders and then only they can come together and then uh, sit down and discuss what they want to uh, wanted to do within their neighborhood and from then on then only they can seek the uh, support from elsewhere most of the time uh, this kind of project doesn't doesn't is not successful because there's no this there's no sense the level of trust is not there i mean a good example is like in mosque you know like masjid when the when the uh, the mosque committee you know 
uh, own next decision without you know consulting and you can hear people you know don't wanting to go to the malls and people being complaining and so forth and therefore that's why when you when it comes to placemaking at community level it's important to gain the trust and those who are actually uh, the, the ones who are leading must not behave as if they know better than the rest you know then <laughs> they must have the um they must have the their personality of uh humble enough you know to get everybody to embrace the idea you know uh, together to do the other that i i will lead and you just follow so because this is human you know <laughs> we're talking about uh, uh working together in a team where you need to have that kind of uh, trust uh between each other and a shared goal you know shared mission everybody must share must share that 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 vision. Must share the goal. Everybody wants to go towards the same direction. Then only it will work. Okay. Um, I know that when it comes to placemaking, we tend to think of urban spaces. But can it also yeah. take place outside the urban spaces? Say, for example, in a suburban area, or even in rural areas. Well, it can because I mean, when you talk about a place, you know, it's, it's like I say, it's just a. a geographical connotation it doesn't have to be in an urban you know area it's just a place it's just a place uh where there is a location and there's a community involved and there are uh certain needs you know that that the community uh would like to and if you look at outside city in villages the mosque the mosque area is the one is the is the place where it brings the people together because i'm a, i have a, a house in um, kampung payabungo in pahang you know and my I, my house is just beside the mosque and the mosque is our sense of uh, activity or sense of life for us in the uh, in the village every activities will revolve around the mosque you know so uh people are brought together so this kind the that's why in the rural areas and so forth they they the opportunity of place making will will be uh, near the mosque uh, in the mosque the mosque compound because the mosque is not supposed to be just a place for worship you know it's also a community um a community center as well as a place for which brings the whole village villages together that was also in the suburban area uh, so in the suburban area because like tdi you know all those, those neighborhoods right so you can see that the most are very active and you know lots of uh, facilities being provided there mm. uh, what about the question of sustainability so uh, when it comes to i guess executing uh, a project of this nature it's not just i guess you know coming together to to make it work, but also um, being able to support it in the long run, right? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think placemaking is supposed to be an ongoing process rather than something that is just uh, a one-off. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's just, that's why beautification is not the solution to placemaking because, um, like, uh, I mean, like any cosmetics or makeup, you know, it has a time frame, you know. After a certain time, then then you have to uh, paint it again and so forth. So that's why this beautification, mural painting and so forth is part of part of the design approach, which also involves lots of activities being done, you know, to to ensure that the space is going, going to be utilized and that. Uh, a better opportunity, uh, a better um, idea is actually to. Uh, encourage the people to be able to generate income or economic activities in the place. That, for example, allowing you know some stalls or coffee corners and so forth. You know, for people to come and have coffee, the table, and then and then there are opportunity for people to sell sell certain food and so forth. So, so there there must be uh, not just about 
beautifying places, you know, is also an opportunity to generate uh, the economic uh, activity and to be able to foster social interactions. So when there's something happening in the space, then more people will come and more people will get to know each other and the neighborhood ties will be strengthened. And this, in a way, has an has the added value of actually lowering the opportunity for crimes to occur because criminals, you know, crime occurs when there are opportunities. In places where the neighborhood, the neighborhoods, you know, uh, they don't get to know each other, then there's no kind of surveillance of the areas and that's when the opportunity for crime to occur. But even if an area where there are there are places where you know you can see the the neighbors uh, all know each other the, when they uh, when they, they gather around and so forth, so that that in a way helps you know be an um to lower or minimize the crime from happening. Mm, all right. Okay. Yeah. I I know I know the concept of this making is highly reliant on community. But what about you know actual public spaces that are very public in nature you know i mean like for example in the middle of a city where um there's a park right so uh, and or there's mm. an empty space granted you can always ask for permission and input from people living in the community but but what if you know that area has is is so public that there's no sense of actual ownership within the community around the area for example if let's say we're talking about a space that's an actual commercial area right yeah is is that is that a, a potential stumbling block Uh, I, I I understand what you're you're, you're getting at because it's in urban design now. Uh, one of the questions is about the design of uh, urban spaces, and um, sorry to say that in Malaysia we don't give much priority to urban design. Uh, we plan our cities and then we design the building, but we don't design the spaces in between. And uh, we have the landscape architects to come in to um, to design the spaces, but their 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 role is more more towards you know giving the uh, character of the spaces using the, the natural environment and so forth. So, but we talk about urban design is beyond just landscaping. It's about you designing the spaces within the city. And what's happening now in Malaysia, we don't have a design. Of the spaces, we have leftovers. We have spaces left over after planning, and that means that spaces that are no man's land, these spaces that are not being owned by anybody or even being maintained by any and anybody. And uh, normally in the city center, it is the role of the local authority to identify this kind of uh, spaces and to decide the kind of function for that spaces and how they're going to design the spaces to give the opportunity for people to, to, to interact and also to meet the needs for leisure. And with this point pandemic, you know, people need more, people need to be outside more than to be inside, indoors. You know, people are not attracted to go indoor unless they are, uh, they have to. So that's, that is the reason why post-pandemic, we have to focus more on the spaces outside the building. And if there is an opportunity for activities indoor to spill over outdoor, for example, restaurants you know, may now want to put seatings outside. Because like me, when I go to restaurants now, I will find a place, the restaurant, where there is an outdoor seating. I don't want to go inside. <laughs> so... Uh, so because that 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 trauma, you know, of the the COVID nineteen uh, is still there, even though now we are in the endemic, you know, but we never know, you know, if the there's another variant and so forth, you know, they come. So now we have to think more about how to design the outdoor, the urban spaces. So I think in Malaysia we need to focus on urban design now. It's not enough to just plan, you know, just to plan where the shopping areas and so forth. And uh, another thing, we have to minimize on the provision of shopping malls now. Because now with this um online shopping and so forth, 
you know, people really don't need to go to the shopping uh, complexes to purchase anything. You know, something can be done online. People only go to shopping malls now, probably just to uh, meet people, eat and so forth. So I think we should now uh, limit the provision of shopping malls, but now focus on providing more urban spaces, you know, spaces that, that people can engage in uh, social activities, even some activities like, you know, uh, picnic, you know, or eating in, uh, we can have the concept of, you know, stalls, you know, food stalls, uh, outdoor food stalls and so forth. But this is, this is um, uh, more um, conducive uh, post-pandemic. And uh, rather than, you know, building more shopping, shopping malls, because we have known, we, we have seen the effect of the shopping malls, you know, during the, during the lockdown, because they, they, they become like uh, very ghostly buildings because nobody goes to the, that kind of buildings anymore. So I think um, Malaysia should 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 now you know take heed for of what has been uh, done by uh, the other developed countries is to focus on urban design. I'm 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 very um frustrated in sense that why are we still not you know focusing on urban design? When we are now our areas you know our urban areas you now is uh, uh we have a high percentage of urban areas now and yet we're not designing uh, giving what when we talk about urban design we're talking about giving quality quality to the uh, urban spaces uh, like you say you know not just like leftover spaces and then just wait for something to happen but we have to design for it you know, to give character to that kind of spaces so that's what urban design is uh, all, all right okay so before we wrap up um what, what do you hope to see uh when it comes to placemaking especially in, in our country and especially in the city in kl yeah i i i hope that i said in order to have successful places you know we you must we have to plan for it, you know, have to plan and then we design. Then only we approach the community, you know, to be involved in it. Because like, like you say, you know, some of the communities, sometimes they don't know. They don't know. They don't, don't have the uh, long-term vision of what's going to be, but they know what are, what needs that they have of our space. So I think the local authority, um, sad to say, you know, in DBKL, we don't even have an urban design unit in the city hall, you know, that, that these are the people, because urban designers are people who are specializing in designing cities and designing urban spaces. The architects are the ones who design buildings. Planners are the ones who plan, you know, the, the zoning and so forth. But the one who's actually going to translate the policies into design are the urban design people. And they're not, they're, they're not, this kind of unit is not there, even in the largest of authority in Asia, which is like the city hall. And even in plan Asia, you know, they are not focusing on urban design at all at the moment. You know, their, their priority is more on the environmental issues, transportation, social impact, and so forth. But design, urban design is in, as important as the other because they, we're talking about quality of the built environment. And we need we need somebody to champion that at the at the government level, you know, at uh, and also at the local authority level. Then only the architects can come in to, uh, to design the building within the area that's already been identified, you know, the kind of character you, want to, you have on for the urban spaces. Because the architects normally have a client. They're not going to design the, the spaces unless the, 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 the local authority has already designed, decide that this space has to be designed in a certain manner and then only the architect can, can come in. To do it so i i my hope for the future is that uh somehow rather i don't know why we are still lagging behind in urban design uh, even our next door neighbor singapore is actually way way ahead of us uh in terms of urban design when they talk about planning you know they're they're, they're planning uh 
at the level of more towards how to design what are the, the policies that they have uh, in the in the the plans how to make it happen uh, when i when i uh, took my students last time to ura you know in singapore you know i listen to the the briefing that we have from the they're talking about practically talking about urban design and the kind that kind of uh, concern is also being uh, voiced uh, by the local authorities in uk Uh, Japan, Australia, US, the countries that I've uh, done my research, but not in Malaysia. I don't know why. <laughs> so that, that's the reason. I think um, I don't know. Maybe uh, we, we just need. Uh, that's why. That's one of the reason we we set up this Breaker uh, Panda. You know, the mission uh, result. So because we wanted to champion this. We wanted the uh, this agenda to be taken. You know, by the country. You know, so that the, the country is moving progressively, like the other. Because we are should be heading towards a developed country, isn't it? In fact, we already projected to become developed country in 2020. Now we're already 2022. We're still not there. So it's about time that we're talking about quality in the design of our cities and our neighborhood, not just about providing. When we talk about place making, you have to design, and the designing the place is actually part of the concern level itself. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Shohana Shamsuddin, President of Breaker Bandar, giving her insights on placemaking and how we should utilize the concept to rejuvenate spaces in our city. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.